today we are wrapping up a series on It Makes Sense, C-E-N-T-S, and S-E-N-S-E. If nothing else from this series, I have learned to quickly spell those two different words and how to use them correctly in a sentence, which is a big win for me. If you want to follow along with where we're going today, uh, you can uh, look in version. If you go to version, uh, download the app if you don't have it, go to events and click on Church Together, and it will have the scripture and some sermon notes and some announcements. And uh, you know what, James, we might start doing is I might like put some more sermon notes in there so it's like an extra bonus if you do that. Just free content or something. All right. But if you want to go old school, like I like to, and use your Bible, uh, David's got both. What a guy. It's like the Old and New Testament together right there. Uh, turn to Matthew 25, and we're going to read this story that you've probably heard uh, before, but we're going to talk through it in a different context. Because we've been talking about ways that God encourages us to manage our money, right? We've talked about contentment, right? That we don't get contentment from what we spend or what we have or all that kind of stuff. Contentment comes through Christ. We've talked about generosity and how stewardship makes sense. Last week, we talked about wisdom. And today, I want to talk about the idea of investment, And one of the things I love about this story is that when it talks about investment, it's not talking in the way that we talk about investment, right? Because when we think about investment, our primary thought is what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? If I invest X, how many Xs am I going to get in return? The difference on this story is that the investment that Jesus is talking about here is not about what we get back in terms of what we invest. It's all about the investee, the investor, and what happens to them as they make investments. This is an incredibly clever parable of Jesus because it talks about two kinds of investments. First of all, it talks about financial investments. And it suggests that if you are not moving forward in your financial investments, then you are actually moving backwards because there's nowhere to stand still. We know that economically to be true. That's why uh, we have inflation, right? Because things are always moving forward when it comes to the economy. They're always moving Somewhere, right? And the illustration that Jesus is talking about here reminds us that the kingdom of God is also always moving somewhere. That there is no staying still when it comes to our faith in Jesus, right? There's no staying still when it comes to the economy. There is no staying still in our relationship with Jesus. The other place where there's no standing still is in our relationship with one another, right? Our relationships never just stay there. They're always moving forward as we invest more in them, or if we choose not to make an investment, our relationships actually move backwards, right? So Jesus is talking here about us 
and whether we're going to move forward by making an investment in either money or people or whether we're going to move backwards by not doing anything. There are three things that I believe this story gives us and tells us about investments. So let me start the story. Matthew 25, starting at verse 14. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man who was going on a long trip, right? The context is the kingdom of heaven where things are always moving. They're always moving forward or they're moving backwards, but there's never any standing still. So they're going to tell a story of a man who was going on a long trip. It turns out that this man was an incredibly wealthy businessman. He would easily have probably been a billionaire in today's money. And he had all kinds of investments going on. He had some things over here, some things over there, some things uh, in that country. And so his life was spent just going from place to place and managing the investments that he made. Unlike the guy we talked about a couple of weeks ago, he wasn't looking at retiring because retiring meant standing still. And if he stood still, all his investments started to diminish. He was a very rich guy and he was a very successful guy. He could have been successful because he was rich or rich because he was successful, right? Those things were just feeding off each other and moving forward. One of the things that this guy has going for him is that in his organization, because he traveled a lot, he knew that he had to have in place a pretty good leadership development process. He probably had hundreds of people who worked for him. And so he had this, this organizational chart underneath him. And his challenge, as is with all leaders, is how do we encourage people to move up the organizational chart? How do we know that they are trained and they are ready to take some serious responsibility in the company? That's the challenge before this man. And so before he gets to travel, he looks around his workforce and he says, uh, I'm going to pick three guys, three people, to see how well they will manage my stuff. So he looks across all of his employees and he finds three people. And he calls them forward and to the first one, he says, I'm going to give you five talents. To the second one, he says, I'm going to give you two talents. And to the third one, he says, I'm going to give you one talent. Now, talent is not um, what we would call gifts or talents today. Talents were um, an economic entity, right? It wasn't cash. It wasn't money. Here, it was silver. And this silver here, probably weighing about 75 pounds was incredibly valuable because the value of it to a day laborer was the equivalent of about 6,000 6, days of work. 
So if the day laborer was kind of around today, the, the minimum uh, wage is about 14K a year, right? When he gives uh, 14K a year, each talent is worth, in today's money, just under $250,000. I know Matt's doing the math in his head right now. I did it earlier with a calculator, so I think it's pretty accurate, right? <laughs> it's about a quarter of a million dollars per talent. It's a lot of money. To the first guy, he gives five talents. That's about $1.25 million. See, I did that on my head. I just, just, just like that. <laughs> second guy, thank you, Jonathan. Did you get that? The second guy, he gives two talents, which is, Jonathan? What is it? 500,000, thank you. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the other guy, the one guy, just gets 250000 which is still a lot of money when you're just making a fraction of that, one six-thousandth of that a day. It's quite an investment that he is making with these people. But with this investment comes an expectation that they will do something with it. And I think the first thing that we need to understand about making an investment is that because God, our boss, our rich man, has made an investment in us, then there is also an expectation on us to do something which God, with which God has invested in us. Does that make sense? Right? It's interesting as well. God didn't just say to everybody, hey, you have five, you have five, you have five. He looked at us uniquely. He sees our strengths. He sees our weaknesses. He says, I'm going to give you five. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you one. You know, so, so often uh, in our world, we try to treat people uh, equally and we say that should mean that everybody gets the same, right? Well, not if everybody can't handle the same, right? So, so God gives us, God invests in us according to our abilities and according to, to what he knows with us. My, my sense in this story is that the guy who dealt with five talents before he was given five talents in this leadership development program, he probably had to prove that he could do it with two. And before he had two, he probably had to prove that he could do it with one, right? Because the scripture here says that, that, that first of all, we've got to be faithful with a little before we're faithful with a lot. The first thing that I believe we need to understand about investment is that when we invest, there is an expectation that comes with it. This guy invested nearly $2 million in people. He could have just left it at the bank, hid it in the ground. But he wanted to keep things moving forward, and so with his investment came an expectation I want to remind you that God who has invested in us 
has an expectation in us that we're not just going to sit around with what he's given us, but that we're going to use it to generate a return, to, to make a difference, to make the world a better place. One of the biggest indictments on the Western church today is that when it comes to matters of faith, we are fat and happy. We get lots of teaching. We get to live in this free country. Our faith isn't challenged. God has made this investment in us, but we just sit and enjoy this investment when this investment that God has made comes with an expectation. Does, does that make sense? God has invested in us and there is an expectation from him that we're going to make a difference with what he's given us. The story continues. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received just one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the rich master returned from his trip and called them to give account of how they used the money. First thing we need to understand about this idea of investing is that we are invested in with an expectation that God is going to get some return on that investment for us. The next thing that happens is the master returns from this long trip after a long time and he comes to hold his people accountable. Accountability is a scary word for many of us especially when it comes to matters of faith, right? But the master comes back to see what we've done with the investment. To the one who had five, he called him over. He said, how'd you do? The guy says, well, you gave me five? I got five back. To the one who had two, I said, how'd you do? Well, you gave me two, and I got two back. What's interesting is that both of these investments generated the same percent of return, right? Which tells us that the master wasn't so concerned about the amount of money, but the way that that money was stewarded. He, he said to both of them, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's go celebrate together. He, he didn't treat the one who got five and the one who got two any different. And you know what I think that tells us about God, our rich boss? 
is that God isn't so much concerned about um, the results of what we do, but he's concerned about how faithful we are with what we've got. You know, um, I, I love uh, Action, Action Church, right? Just down the street. Justin is the pastor there, is a great friend. They started about a month before we did as a church. And now they're running about 3,000 people, right? A part of me thinks, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, we're not handling this one talent well, and he's getting all these returns. And you know what God says through scripture? Andy, you got, you got it all wrong. It's not about the amount of return. It's about the steps of faithfulness, right? God is concerned not about what we've got, but he's concerned about the steps of faithfulness that we're taking. And say with me, what that means is that when God holds us account, he doesn't hold us accountable to the end result. He holds us accountable to what we do with the potential inside of us. Does that make sense? God holds us accountable to the potential inside of us. We see this theme developing, right? God has an expectation for us. And that expectation has to do not in how much we get, but it has to do with how well we manage and steward our potential. One of my my favorite preachers who is no longer with us was a young guy who took his life too early which adds great irony to his statement when he said that the greatest loss in this world is not the havoc caused by sin, but by the loss of untapped potential. Think about that. Isn't that profound? Think about who we are and think about who we could be And how we mismanage the potential. How we get lazy. How we get slack. How we put things off. How we choose to to do things tomorrow. What's sad about that is that God doesn't judge on the amount. God judges on how we're faithfully uh, uh, leaning into and fulfilling our potential, right? So the application of the second thing for for us as the investor is are we using our potential? The good news, the great news is that God has deposited within us an incredible, unlimited amount of potential. There is nothing that we can't do. There is no one that we can't become because this potential force within us that's there by the Holy Spirit is so strong and so powerful. One of the greatest tragedies in the world is when we put our potential to the side, right? And we say, God, I'm not going to do it. God, maybe I'll do that later. 
God, if only I can get over this hump or solve this problem. Maybe when the kids are older and the bank accounts are a little bit bigger, maybe then I'll do it. We suppress this potential within us. How sad, how tragic. How many people don't have hope because we neglect our potential? You know, it's easy for us to moan about the social ills in society, but you know why most of those social ills happen? Because we as a church have chosen to sidestep our potential. We've chosen to stay where we are rather than to go and love. We've let fear win and we've chosen not to when we should have. Potential is such a powerful commodity, but we've put a lid on it and we say, I'm not going to get there. Investment comes with an expectation from God that would weigh heavy unless God hadn't put this potential within us. How sad that we ignore this expectation. How tragic that we limit and we cap the potential inside of us. To those who use their potential, to those who get this return, God says, good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, I, I can't think of a greater affirmation that we could receive in this world And man, I'm looking forward to that day when I stand before God. And I hope that I've untapped enough of my potential for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. What an affirmation. What a a blessing. What a glorious day that will be. You know what happens on that day? I, I get to thank him more for it. That that that's why heaven is so full of worship and glory. Because we're affirmed by our Father and we realize that that affirmation actually not only comes from Him, but we get it because of Him. Investing, it comes with an expectation from God. And it comes with an invitation to untap our potential. And so the question becomes, how do we untap untap? What's the word I'm looking for? Unlid. <laughs> Take the lid off that potential. And the answer is sadly found in the example of this third guy. Verse 24. The servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Now it's interesting that the boss went to the other two and said, Hey, how did you do? This guy knew that he hadn't do, done too well, so he wanted to kind of get ahead of the problem, and so he came up to the master. Without being, asking, without being asked, he proactively says, Master 24, I know that you are a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. Totally misunderstands the man. 
I was afraid I would lose your muddy money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. A.W. Toza was a theolog- theologian and an evangelist of the past century. He said, what comes to mind when we think about God is one of the most defining things about us. You know what came to this guy's mind when he thought about his boss? He thought, "Uh uh-oh, he's a harsh guy. He, he, He didn't understand God. He said, you harvest things that you don't, you didn't, you didn't sow and you reap things that you didn't sow and no, 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 God, 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 God did so because it's, it's all his anyway. He, he's just a little bit off in his understanding of who God is. You know, if you were in L.A. and you wanted to come to Orlando and you're just a degree off, by the time you get to the West Coast, you're in New York. Just, just one degree off can take you in a completely different direction. And that's what's happened with this guy. He was one degree off because he didn't understand that God expected something of him. He didn't understand his potential. And so he let fear get the better of him. It says... I was afraid of you, so I decided to hide what you had given me in the ground. And he gives the one talent back, and you would have thought the boss could have just shrugged his shoulders and said, hey, I didn't lose anything. But the thing is, he did lose something. Because this economy, like the kingdom of God, is is always moving forward. You know what this third guy teaches us? This guy with one talent? The guy who buries it? He teaches us to not be afraid. He he says, don't be afraid to take the risk. Sure, sure there's a, a loving expectation on you. But you've got all kinds of potential within you. But don't let that potential stay dormant. Don't let fear win. When we talk about investing, we realize there's an expectation. We realize that we got some potential. But the third thing we've got to to grasp is the importance of faith. Because faith overcomes fear, right? Right? This third guy was condemned by the boss. Not because he lost any money, because he didn't. He was condemned because he wasted his potential. He didn't take the risk to invest, to use his potential to make a difference. The whole story is written in the context of money. And it talks about people. But it's really about how God 
has invested in us with a challenge, what are you going to do with what I've invested in you? Are we willing to take a risk and use what God has given us? One final story to wrap up. When I was about 17, 18, I was dating this girl. I was, wasn't dating. I was kind of flirting with this girl called Carolyn. She was super cute, and I pursued her for uh, a while, and she wasn't sure about me. I don't know what was wrong with her. <laughs> and so I asked her out, and she said, let me get back to you. I'm like, okay, I know how that goes. <laughs> a couple of days later in the mail, a poem arrived from her. And the poem was all about risk. And while I'm not quite sure why she thought it was a risk to date me. <laughs> the poem ended with this statement. That the greatest risk of all is to risk nothing. Because the person who risks nothing has nothing, gets nothing, gains nothing. God has invested in us and we have to take that risk to fulfill that expectation, to fulfill that potential, to cast aside fear and move forward in faith so that one day we can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You know why we can take a risk? Because a long time ago, God took an incredible risk on us. He looked down on the earth. He saw it in all its sin and its shame and the mess. He said, what, what can I do to show these people I love them? And I imagine they're kind of talking through the walls of heaven. Well, you can send some more commandments. God says, no, 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 no. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my son to, to die. And probably some of the angels and God's advisors, if there is such a thing, what a crazy role that would be, right? Said, God, you don't want to do that. That's a big risk. They may not like him. They may kill him. But God says, I'm going to take that risk anyway because I love them so much. And we take a risk with what God has invested in us. Not just because of the expectation, not just because of our potential, but because God first took a risk on us. And God's concerns were merited, right? Because we didn't get Jesus. And we didn't get him so much that we sent him to die. But God's God... Jesus rose from the dead and that risk of loving us paid off and it fully pays off when we start to love him back.